Welcome to The Definitive Rap, where we report the truth about American exceptionalism. We love our flag, we love our country, and we believe in America. The Definitive Rap, where we respect people of faith, the men and women in blue, and our support for Israel. And now, your host, Bela Sebraff on The Definitive Rap. Hello, and welcome to The Definitive Wrap. I am Bayless Seabrow. Thank you to Vin News for hosting this show. People have become more hot-headed, and their hearts have closed to the real problems in government. We need to get back to the way the founding fathers of the United States intended it to be. What America needs is for politicians to operate with sincerity, compassion, transparency, and directness. Being an effective leader is not about control, but elevating the people and inspiring solutions that actually work. With us today is a man who will share with us how we can get that job done. That man is Brian Robinson, congressional candidate for New York's 10th District. Brian Robinson is Jewish American. His family name was Rabinowitz before it was changed at Ellis Island. True story. (laughs) Like many of us, Um, he states that he is sick of the polarization and it's like everyone is racing to see who can be more woke as the city suffers from unimaginable crimes of violence and hate, quote unquote. Brian is deeply unnerved by the normalization of anti-Semitic attacks and is disheartened as we witness the seemingly infinite crescendo of violence in the city. His plan is to bring federal oversight to the negligent agencies running the homeless shelters in the city. There are no performance metrics. The mental health issue is getting worse. And they accept people actively involved in the criminal justice system with no questions asked. Neighborhood violence across Manhattan and Brooklyn is most certainly linked to these mismanaged shelters. Brian is pro-Israel and a father to a four-year-old daughter and loving husband to his wife, Lindsay. He's on the board of Bogardus Plaza and lives in Tribeca. Brian, welcome to the Definitive Wrap. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. And I, I love the flag side by side in the background there. Uh, big fan of the show. So thank you for having me. Really excited. And uh, everything you said is correct. Um, you know, I, I recognize a lot of that. Those are my platforms. And uh, r- right now we're facing a crisis, not only um, with free speech, um, as, as we know, uh, many people who have legitimate points of view and uh, on a variety of issues are being censored or smothered in the media. And that's not the country we live in. And I I think the only way to get this country back on track is for people on both sides to say, you know what, let me not just assume that the person that I think I'm going to disagree with is evil. And if we can at least get to that place, I think common ground can be found. But if two people walk in with this expectation that the other comes from an evil place instead of perhaps, you know, having developed an opinion over time through their experiences, what they've learned, how they were raised, um, then we're never going to get anywhere. And the polarizations will get deeper and wider and it's not going to be good for the country. Um, Let's talk about the homelessness in New York and uh, about your plan to bring federal oversight to the negligent agencies running the homeless shelters in the city. This is important um, because it's I I think you'd have to have your head buried in the sand. Right. 
Sorry about that. Um, you'd have to have your head buried in the sand uh, to not understand at this point that there's a link between neighborhood violence and these homeless shelters, which are negligently managed. Now, this wasn't always the case. And as New Yorkers, we do have empathy for those that are homeless, but we're seeing a different type of homeless population lately. And many of them are coming from out of state. Many of them are already involved in the criminal justice system. And we have no way or no mechanism in place right now with these shelters to distinguish who's potentially violent and who is just down hard on their luck. And we need a physician, right? We need a physician inside these facilities to make these calls and send send those who are potentially violent to a different type of facility because we can't have homeless shelters doubling as psych wards. So when did this change happen for the worst? I think it's gotten worse starting around the time of de Blasio, to be honest. <laughs> but and you're saying they're coming from other areas? What, where are these people? Where are these homeless people coming from? What caused their homelessness? Well, what caused their homelessness? Um, I mean, that a variety of things. Um, you know, I, I've spoken with a lot of psychiatrists about this who are in this field. And their consensus is that 80% of those are, who are homeless are not chronically homeless or would not hurt a fly. Mm-hmm. 20% are homeless chronically. And it's because they're either really heavily drug addicted they are psychotic, meaning severe mental illness, right. or they have what's called anti-personality disorder, which is the type of mentality that you will just commit violence against another without feeling guilty about it. And right. we have all these people in the same room and it, uh, it doesn't protect those who are homeless and wouldn't hurt a fly. And it's dangerous for the neighborhoods when this 20% surfaces and just decides that today's the day they're going to slam somebody over the head with a bottle or knife in the ribs. I mean, these are just unprovoked, weird attacks. They're bizarre. And that's why I say that it's not the same homeless population that it used to be, right? People are coming from out of state. They recently found somebody in in Chinatown who was wanted in Pennsylvania for raping two six-year-old girls. I have I have a I have a four year old daughter and this is not the city that I want her growing up in. And this is not the city we love. You know, there's a difference between being compassionate and being ridiculous. And right now, the city's just being ridiculous. So what can be done? How do we get them off the street and get them the help that they need? We need federal oversight, uh, which I will introduce in Congress. Um. What this will entail is performance metrics. Number one, don't just let everybody in and then not be accountable for who you're letting in and how they turn out once they've spent some time there. Number two, get a physician in there. If somebody's already involved in the criminal justice system, that needs to be noted and they need to be evaluated. And if there's a potential for violence, right, then the physician would refer them to a different facility. Uh, something state run and they can get the help they need or whatever it is that they need. They need to be outside of the general population because again, it, it endangers the homeless population and it endangers the neighborhoods in which they reside. Right. Right. 
Brian, you consider yourself to be a moderate Democrat in this race. And we both know that one of your goals is to bring both parties, Republican and Democrat, to the table. Yes. You are certainly a voice of reason, as can be attested. My question is, what do you mean when you say you are a moderate Democrat and how do you plan to get everyone on the same page, so to speak? Two good questions. Um, I I think when you say you're a moderate Democrat, it's kind of like saying you're an old school Democrat. You're a Democrat that doesn't perpetually demonize the police. There was a time where Democrats and the police got along just fine, and that was a safer time for everybody. I For me, what moderate Democrat means, and yeah, it can be interpreted in a lot of different ways, and not every moderate Democrat is the same. But for me, it's an implicit rejection of modern progressivism. Um, Because I believe that modern progressivism has turned a corner into what I would really label as illiberalism. Um, They want to, you know, cancel. They want to, everybody would agree with them. There are penalties if you don't. And they are responsible for writing a lot of these policies, including uh, the, the criminal justice policies that aren't working uh, here in New York City. And it's not just New York. It's across the country. So um, it, it's for me, it's just it's to draw a line to say I'm not a modern progressive. I am a Democrat. I'm liberal in some places and I'm more centrist in other places. Right. Um, and uh, how do you plan to get everyone on the same page? Because I know that's one of your goals. It's one of my goals and it's happening. So, you know, as a moderate, I can tell you right now, somebody who just is liberal, right? They don't really consider themselves a progressive, but, you know, they, they, they can go either way. And a lot of it depends on what's happening, uh, you know, atmospherically, you know, politically, whatever. So um, a lot of liberals these days are telling me that they're scared and they're upset about, um, you know, interruptions in schools and they're they're trending more toward moderate right as the pendulum swings back from the far left because people are just getting sick of it um as to our liberals toward a more moderate stance on things and um these are the people who many of which are my friends who are saying to me yeah i mean it's gone too far and i recognize that and i don't i don't want to feel not safe where i am but I don't feel safe. I'm afraid because I don't want my kid to get assaulted. Um, and there's so many stories I've heard where, um, you know, uh, liberal friends of mine are walking either in the Upper West Side or even uh, around Battery Park. And, right. um, you know, I heard a story of somebody's going to, into McDonald's and somebody reached out and tried to take their kid. Another oh, yeah. one in the Upper West Side was being followed um, by an aggressive homeless guy who was saying that, hey, I want, I, I'm going to kill you all, meaning their family. And, the, you know, their five-year-old daughter later said, hey, mommy, why, why did that man want to kill us? I mean, these are, these are the things that people should not have to deal with. This is a quality of life crisis here in the city. And, um, you know, it, it's due to ridiculous Ill- illogical policies. Right. So, so people are on board. <laughs> right. Long story short. Right. So as you just mentioned, uh, it happens going into McDonald's or anywhere else. And it's not just the homelessness. The fact is that no one can disagree that crime has gone up in New York. Unprovoked crime. Innocent people are shot at, stabbed, beaten, thrown to their deaths. The criminality is endless. So why do you think this is happening aside from the homelessness and what can be done to rectify it? 
we've been, when I say we, I mean the city. And, right, I understand. And not and not just our city, other cities have become too radical. Um, we've gone off the cliff left. And, you know, I, I, I'm more of a center left guy and I always have been, but the landscape has shifted. It's shifted so far that again, we're, we're in a, we're in a territory where all of a sudden free speech is not respected. Oh yeah. That's right? it's unreal. Yeah. And debate. You can't, you, you can't speak your mind what, anymore. Yeah. And I am somebody who loves you can, but you pay mind. the price for it. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? So, you know, that price is worth paying for sometimes. And, you know, we, we, we can't just lie down and accept what's happening. Agreed. So I, I think my, my message above all is let's unify in a way that is productive and saying, hey, listen, we've gone too far. And it's because of X and Y policies. It's because of a cruel atmosphere that's been developing uh, not only in New York and San Francisco, where all of a sudden, if you're not dogmatic and agreeing with everybody about the same thing, you risk social ostracism, uh, being socially ostracized Ostracism. or being, you know, shut out. Right. Um, tough word, but, (laughs) uh, it's, it's tough to be shut out from the community just because you have a different opinion. So a lot of people are, they're afraid to speak up. And, uh, this is very concerning to me because it's, it's very anti-American. And, you know, Democrats used Democrats used to and still stand for these things. They're just many of them are a little more afraid to speak these days. But when I when I speak to them, there's a comfort zone there. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And you know what? You've got my vote because things have gone too far. And Mm -hmm. yeah. And they're not self-proclaimed moderates. They're just run of the mill liberals. They're not, you know, off the cliff progressives. Um, and I don't mean to I don't mean to drive a wedge between progressives and the rest of us, but I think it's clear enough what has gone too far. And what I want to do is bring liberalism back. The essence of liberalism, which is free speech, right? Open debate, respect for others. Um, I could go on, but I think you get my point. Yes, yes. Brian, um, you published an op-ed exposing the corruption in closing Wagner Park for two years while concrete was poured over the green space where kids play. Is this about greed? Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, you know, Can it, you explain to our audience what happened, you know, for those that are not familiar? Okay, so Wagner Park is a gorgeous park that has, uh, it's one of the most cherished parks in Battery Park. Uh, People come from not just Battery Park, but uh, all of lower Manhattan. And, you know, even tourists, uh, they love to go by Battery Park and Wagner Park. And you can you can see the Statue of Liberty. I mean, it's it's gorgeous. And there there's been a a guilting of the community lately. Right. Where they're saying, um, you know, they're citing Hurricane Sandy, which, yeah, it, Lower Manhattan flooded pretty badly during Sandy. But they're saying that because of Sandy, we need to pour a bunch of concrete over Wagner Park and we need to build a restaurant and we need to um, bring the height of Wagner Park to a height where it's safe from the hundred year storm that is coming from, or that's coming for us, <laughs> I should say. And it's just absolute fear monger. Um, number one, it's documented in one of the CB1 community board one meetings, uh, which battery fart falls within 
that the Battery Park City Authority, who is doing this, is doing it partly to create revenue generating opportunities. Now, I don't have a problem with commercialization, right? But it has to make sense. And I certainly don't want to, I certainly don't want a restaurant or a bunch of concrete over a park that my daughter plays in and that a lot of her friends play in and that the elderly seek refuge at and a moment of peace. I mean, we all love Wagner Park. And if you're trying to tell us that because of Sandy and because of climate change, Wagner didn't flood during Sandy. A lot of places did, not Wagner Park. So that's number one. Number two, they're saying that water level rising is a threat. Okay, sure. But you're talking about a park that's already seven to 10 feet elevated, didn't flood during a major storm, Sandy or Irene. And um, according to a NASA study in 2019, the water level in lower Manhattan is rising at a very small fraction of a centimeter per year. We're talking hundreds of years out before this is even an issue. And to fix that issue, assuming we really just want to be ahead of the curve by hundreds of years, we still don't need to close Wagner Park. There, there, there are pinch points around Wagner Park that they can fix or plug. And that would be that. But those aren't the revenue generating areas. There are other places in the financial district that flooded horribly. They're not fixing them first because no revenue generating potential. So So what is the revenue being generated in Wagner Park? Well, what they want to do is they want to ultimately commercialize it and build a restaurant over it and make half of it concrete. And they're and they're going to cut down over 100 trees. And, you know, I'm not. I wouldn't call myself an environmentalist, but I do love parks and I think they're important to people's well-being. And I I think it's a sad proposition to say we're going to cut down 100 trees. We're going to close this park for two years, which we all know it's more than two years if the city's doing construction. Two years plus. Yeah. You know, maybe five years, uh, four years, whatever. Um, It's going to go on and on. And for that time, your kids who love this park can't play in it. Um, and adults who love this park can't sit down and have a moment of peace in it because we need to build a restaurant there. And I mean, I like restaurants, right? (laughs) I'm a fan of restaurants. This is Manhattan. They're everywhere. Um, You know, uh, Brooklyn, same thing. I mean, we don't need one right there. And Mm -hmm. I get the profit incentive and I'm not against making a profit. But don't do it over a park where right. my daughter plays and where her friends play. Yeah, where kids can play and grow. And yeah, yeah, sure. Our apartments are small. We live in New York City. That's they right. need a place to run around. That's right. That's so, right. You know, build a restaurant on concrete. That's 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 my point. Yeah. Brian, what is your opinion about gun control? I mean, I, gun control is important. We want to make sure that people who are mentally uh, unstable are not don't have access to guns but i think in new york city it's not so much guns that are mowing people down it's glass bottles it's knives it's people's fists it's this lawless environment that enables um people who are violent or would commit a violent crime to say oh well i guess i'll just do it again and again and again because I'm not going to be held on bail for it, most likely, um, unless I outright murder somebody. And I think that is the real threat, this emboldenment, this lawless 
um, enablement where anybody can go out and commit any crime. You can go into a store and steal $900 up to a thousand dollars of merchandise. And it's, you know, petty larceny. You'll get a desk summons and you'll be out the next day. You could do it again. And people are making a living off, you know, um, stealing from small businesses. And we wonder why they're not doing well. Right. Even post COVID or post COVID. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the economy is bad enough as it is, you know, and exactly. theft is certainly not helping matters. Yeah. So, you know, illegal guns, of, of course, if illegal guns, let's crack down on them. But let's face it, that's not that's not what's happening in New York City to the degree where people are just getting assaulted with bare knuckle fists. Right. And knives. I mean, that, that's what's happening. Right. Brian, you come across as idealistic and real, you know, the real deal. Thank you. I appreciate it. So what inspired and further motivates you to run for office? I would have to root that back to just my daughter and being a father. Um, right now, this country is not in a place where or in a state where I want my daughter to grow up in. And I think we owe it to the next generation um, to do better and to not have cruelty because people might disagree on things, um, to not have a country at the risk of fracturing. Um, I think real people, like you said, need to get in there. Uh, this is why I never had aspirations for politics until I just couldn't take it anymore. And now that I have a daughter, it's, it's, it's too much to bear to observe passively at this point. But was there any particular turning point that um, motivated you to a series say, of I'm, things. I'm, that's it. I'm 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 doing it. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's a series of moments. Uh, maybe one of them was when my daughter and my wife were followed um, in my building uh, down the hall up to my doorway, and uh, despite multiple requests from my wife for the guy to stop following him, uh, her and uh, my yeah. daughter, um, this guy persisted. And only because he heard my voice and I came out right away did I find him down the hall. He sprinted down. I, I don't know what this guy's intentions were, but it, it shouldn't be a situation that people are ever in. You know, somebody in, um, in Chinatown, uh, a young girl was hacked to death in her own apartment. Um, and the, these are the types of things that are happening. And uh, if the government can't protect us, then... We have to, A, protect ourselves by being more vigilant, and B, we need new people in government. So that, it's, re- it's really that. It's, what, it's watching this, the city decay and the country decay and saying, Am I, okay, I just can't sit here and watch this anymore. Right. That's, that's my driving point. So that's why I'm so, that's why I'm, I'm so I don't want to say obsessed, but serious about public safety. Oh, obsession um, is good. It's a good obsession. Yeah, no, I mean, sometimes you have to be obsessed to really be successful. And this is a good thing to be obsessed about. So um, I want public safety for the community. I want to empower small businesses and I want civility. Uh, You know, there's no reason we need to be, you know, demonizing each other when oftentimes if you just are willing to have a little bit of understanding and say, all right, where is this person coming from? Maybe I still won't agree with them after we talk civilly, but let's talk civilly because maybe I'll be surprised by what we actually do have in common. Right. You know, I don't want to leave New York City, but it's making it very hard to live here. So 
So you want to make it better. Absolutely. You're not running away. You're going to fix it. Exactly. I would. I mean, that elect me. I will fix this. I will be and I'll be a major voice for change, change in a positive direction, not the not the change, um, you know, that we see out of, um, you know, modern progressivism or the change that they might want. I'm, I'm talking about people being civil to each other again and public safety being taken seriously. So what do you do when you're not running for office? <laughs> so I ran a consumer advocacy company for two years and actually, no, not two years, 12. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, it's been about two years I've been thinking about running for office. Um, yeah, 12 years. I was a small business owner and um, it was great. And we did a lot of good work and that company still exists. But in order to be successful in my campaign trail, I absolutely had to dedicate myself to this. I'm also an author. I wrote a book about ADD, which I have, which is part of you know why I have the energy to do what I'm doing. What's uh, the name of the book? It's called Adderall Blues. It's it's a memoir. I wrote it a while ago. Half of it was written when I was 22. Uh, I'm proud of it, but you know that's neither here nor there. Uh, but you know, I am I, I I'm an advocate for those who have ADD, and um, I, I think you know the label is misunderstood. And uh, the uh, people with ADHD tend to be very passionate people, and um, you know I know I am, and they have they have the gift of what's called hyperfocus, where yeah. it's ironic, but if you have ADHD, they say, okay, uh, you know, you're not as good at paying attention. Well, if you're passionate about something, you can hyperfocus, lose track of time and accomplish more than anybody else because you have that hyperfocus. So right now my hyperfocus is politics and just uh, continuing this movement and, you know, making the city better, making the country better. It's just in my heart. So this is what I'm doing. Great. I'm just curious, what was your name before? Uh... Oh, it was, it was Rabinowitz, right? And then it was changed to Robinson. That's yes. interesting. So they gave him a choice. I'm always very curious about well, that. It wasn't a choice. It wasn't a choice. They were just told, okay, this is yeah. it. You know? Yeah. I, I think my family was, uh, they were relieved that they made it from Russia. And then, uh, you know. They were I, just so grateful. Call me whatever you like. Just let me in. Yeah. Just like, okay, whatever. You're, um, we're Robinson now. Fine. Just let us in. Right. And then, right. you know, it's four generations later. I'm not going to change it at this point. You know, my dad is a Robinson. His dad's a Robinson. So, right. Um, but Rabinowitz is my original last name. And right. no, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm always I, very curious about that. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, my, yeah. my last name was Rebrowitz, you know, and yeah. Oh, okay. My father-in-law, right. well, uh, my father-in-law's father. So, you know, they were told this is it. You know, that's your new name. Seabrook. Okay. And you yeah, stuck I'm with it. I'm always very curious about that. Um, how can people get in touch with you and get more involved? So um, follow me on Twitter. I'm pretty active. Uh, my Twitter handle is vote Brian. Pretty simple. Uh, V-O-T-E-B-R-I-A-N. Um, you can go to my website, which is votebrianNYC.com. Um, I'm on Instagram, uh, Robinson for Congress. But I, I would say very easy to get in touch with me on Twitter. Message me. I'll message you back for sure. And probably almost definitely within a day. Okay, great. Brian, thank you for joining us today. Thank I you for wish, having me. This is a lot of fun. I, yes, it was. Um, I wish you tremendous luck in your political endeavors and personal endeavors and professional endeavors. You're thank amazing, you. and um, the city definitely needs you. Thank you to V News and to our audience for tuning in. All right. Thank you, everybody. Have a good day. 
for listening to The Definitive Rap with your host, Bela Seabrow. Be sure to tell your family and friends they also can catch The Definitive Rap on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, and your favorite streaming service. See you next time on The Definitive Rap. We'll be right back.